For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Kate Crook works on the sales side of the influencer marketing equation, from educating brands and agencies about the vast spectrum of what influencer marketing can mean to matchmaking talent. She started at influencer marketing back when it was called blogging and spent most of her time focusing on programs that were completely comprised of influencer lead solutions. A recent career evolution has brought her to the publisher side, allowing her to learn more about all things video. Being in tune with all things influencer marketing has been an integral part of her role in the past nine years. We are so excited to have her on the podcast. Welcome, Kate. So Kate, welcome to the podcast this morning coming in from Chicago. How's your morning going so far? It's going great. I mean, despite the hustle of getting two kids out and battling 10 miles of traffic, which, you know, like everybody goes through, it's, it's been great. Coffee is good. Uh, we're starting to see the lovely little preview of fall in Chicago, which is the best, uh, especially if it stays crispy. It's just uh, very delightful. I mean, it sounds amazing. I'm such a fan of Chicago. I love Chicago. It's a cleaner New York. <laughs> and you're an East Coast girl. Where are you from originally? So I grew up outside of Boston. I grew up in a little town called Sudbury, um, which is about I would maybe 35 miles northwest of um, downtown Boston. Um, and I grew up there. I went to school in Rhode Island. And then I came out here. I won't say how many years ago, um, but I've, I've been here ever since, and I love it. I mean, I think the great thing about Chicago is you can grow with the city, whether you discover different activities or different groups that you belong in. Um, when I moved to Chicago, I didn't have a lot of friends, so I joined, like, a local kickball league, which sounds kind of um, juvenile, but it was really fun, and it's how I carved out a lot of my very best friends. So just, like, really exploring. The city has, like, so many things to explore. Plus, our food scene is amazing. I mean, you're talking my language. You're speaking my language. Kickball and, like, great food. I mean, no, <laughs> that does not sound yeah. – I mean, if that sounds juvenile to anybody listening, like, they're no fun. <laughs> they are no fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been a really great experience. And I think it's very interesting because sometimes the Midwest can be – almost like this little bubble, right? Like, you know, LA and New York have like these great um, reputations of being like very hip and very cool. And then Chicago is sometimes like this bubble, but we really have like the same things um, as as sort of like our coasts do. And, um, you know, we have sort of like, 
a huge push in creativity here. We have a huge push in creativity both in the media world and also, again, I'm going to go back to the food scene just because it is so wonderful here in Chicago. Um, and so I, I think it's really fun to sort of be in a little bit of that that bubble and still be able to push things forward. I mean, 100%. I'm personally such a fan of Chicago. Um, we love having people on the podcast who are outside of, you know, LA and New York as if like we're the only places out there. Like Chicago has such a huge influencer scene. We've had people on the podcast before who yeah. are based in Chicago and there's such great work happening there. I mean, some of the biggest ad agencies are there and companies. And um, so speaking of Tell us all about Tastemade because um, I feel like people have their ideas of what it is. I would love to hear about, you know, the influencer piece um, and what you all have cooking out there. Yeah. So Tastemade in a nutshell is basically like it's a it's a modern media company, right? So we are like a modern publisher and we focus on food, home and travel. And so I think for a long time, we've been really put in that food bucket because we do have beautiful, beautiful food content. Um, but we have expanded into that space of travel and home, which is really fun to help to help our consumers and help our audience build out like what good taste means because good taste is different for everyone, right? Like you and I might have something similar, but you and I might also like approach a design or um, using an ingredient in a different way. So there's this sort of inclusivity on how you can define your good taste and you can use Tastemade as like an educational resource to be able to find those things. It's also, you know, like I was a fan of the brand long before I came here and found myself watching the content for far too long, right? Like I shouldn't be spending that much time with my nose in my phone, but alas, here we are. Um, and so what we're doing in the influencer space is we have a lot of talent that helps create our shows, right? So we have Frankie that does struggle meals. We have Jen that does just Jen. We have all of like these, these editorial shows, but then we also know that, you know, influencers can mean so much, right? So there have been activations in, in the mural space, you know, bringing, bringing brands to life through, through that sort of like visual creativity. And then, you know, talking about, you know, different food brands and bringing, bringing that to life through the influencer lens, because, you know, as we all know, the influencer space is, is so valuable. And so, you know, when we do any sort of like influencer campaign, it's really marrying sort of like the taste made lens with sort of like the influencer lens as well. And so it's really fun to be able to explore, explore that side of things. My, in my previous role, I was really focused on just influencer campaigns, um, which is sort of like what, what birthed my love for this space. And now it's, it's really interesting to be able to extend that into, um, into this new role. And so we heard a little bit about, you know, your background in the intro to this podcast, but tell us in your own words, you know, what, how you ended up get, you know, at Tastemade, a little bit about, you know, your journey um, and how you got to influencer marketing in the first place. Yeah. So before, so I used to work at Rhythm One, which I know that you're very familiar with. Um, and I worked there for nine and a half years. So I worked in partnership with other members on the team and helped build out um, the influencer team many years ago and sort of like what this offering would be and looking looking at sort of like the rise in what content means, the rise in influencer marketing and branded content and how, you know, brands and influencers can really come together and create this content that that is meaning. So to me, I really think influencer marketing is like maybe what magazines were, you know, 
many, many years ago, right? So it, there is a focus and everybody has a different view. Everybody approaches things differently. And it's this like sort of like pre-digested way to sort of see how other people live their lives. And so I think it's, it's really this interesting way of having sort of like a peek behind the curtain of what works for some people, what doesn't work for some people, how different, um, how different people are approaching, you know, solves for, for their life, right? Like if, if, if I think about like how I use influencer marketing myself, like I don't ever make a purchase without doing a lot of research. And so instead of just going to uh, a website that we probably don't want to mention that has like just text reviews, I, I like to, see visually, okay, who are people that are like me? Who are people that are not like me? And how are they using this product? Or how are, how do they not like it? Um, and oftentimes it will sort of, you know, in, in influence, you know, ultimately what it's supposed to do, influence my purchase. So I think, I think that that's sort of like the interesting thing about influencer marketing is that it is, um, it definitely is powerful. It has a very strong voice and it has, really shifted what marketing is today. I mean, 100%. And I think it's so important, you know, in our conversations about influencer marketing and people in the industry, it's important to just remember as a consumer what it's like to explore online and buy a product and, you know, take off our business hats for a second um, and just say, you know, when when coming up with a project, for example, if you're pitching a brand and you're like, here's, you know, here's what we should be asking influencers for, it's like, is a video going to be the most effective in this situation? Or, you know, is it really a swipe up link that's going to like really, really, you know, move the needle? Um, and just remember as like a straight up consumer, um, what would really influence you? Um, and so, you know, I'm just curious as, you know, as someone who enjoys being online and on social, just personally, what platforms are you on the most? Sure. So I'm on Instagram and Pinterest the most. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I I think that Instagram stories are my weakness, if we're going to be totally honest. They, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, right, like a swipe up can sometimes do so much. And I totally get sucked into um, the beauty of all of it and, you know, the the very easy application of like, okay, how does this look or how could I maybe – style something in my home that looks like this, or I know that I sometimes use it as an escape, right? Like my house is a mess. I have zero energy left. And sometimes just looking at really pretty content is actually refreshing. Um, so, so that, that works for both Instagram and Pinterest. I definitely find myself going down on like supreme wormholes on both um, of exploration, you know, finding things that I want to make or purchase or, just going down like the everyday rabbit hole of like finding, you know, what is this brand doing or what is this influencer doing and how have they sort of gotten to where they are and just really using it as a discovery platform. I sort of have long time joked that I'm kind of, I'm kind of a creep um, and meaning that I can, I can go down these like long wormholes of discovery and, you know, find things that I didn't know were out there that are like super useful. Um, so I, I sometimes joke that like in my next life, I could probably be like a private detective because I can do a lot of research uh, really quickly on on some of those platforms. Isn't that great that you can say that? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? That, like, I mean, yes. 
<laughs> yes, but maybe depends who you ask. No, I love that. And I, right. I, <laughs> I, well, I love that you're talking about Pinterest too. That was, I was hoping not to necessarily to hear Pinterest, but I was hoping to hear something other than Instagram um, that you're on. Um, I tell people really often, I'm on Facebook all the time. People just have m misconceptions in this industry in particular that everybody is only on Instagram and, you know, the, you know, and then everybody, you know, and then a few people are, you know, a few people, and then a bunch of people are on YouTube, but that's it. And like, I think it's so important to just broaden that, you know, to broaden that idea um, and ask real people, even ask yourself, honestly, you know, if you weren't doing this for work, right, if this wasn't your your full time job um, and you or you just had more hours in the day to just simply, you know, like you said, you know, find yourself down a wormhole or a rabbit hole um, of good content, where would you be? What platform would you be on? So I love that you're saying Pinterest. I, I'm a big Pinterest person um, as well. For me, a, a hobby of mine is decorating cakes. Super random, um, but you can get Ooh. really, really good ideas on yes. Pinterest. And so what brings you to Pinterest? What are you searching for when you're on there? So right now, um, we are in a season of trying to organize our house, which um, is very interesting. Um, I actually worked with a KonMari expert to try and help sort of like purge things. So now I'm in this season of trying to discover organizational methods and decor that works for an entire family. Um, and by entire family, we are a multi-generational household, right? So um, we have like a, a little ensuite that my that my dad lives in. I have two boys, a husband and a boy dog. So right, so really queen of the castle and trying to find organization that works for my brain and the rest of theirs so that I don't have to be sort of like the bad guy all the time. Hmm. Um, Pinterest is a great resource for that, right? So I'm a naturally very visual person. And so it just speaks to how my brain works, right? I can use a couple of different search terms. And again, I'm sort of like down that rabbit hole of inspiration. It's really easy for me to share with my husband, okay, this is sort of like what we're going for, what kind of space do we have, and and using it sort of as collaboration within my household. And also, you know, someday I'd love to have, to have time to be able to um, really make my front porch look crazy, like decorated and beautiful. And so that's sort of like always like in my aspirational, you know, like the back of my mind is really how do I pimp out my front porch? Um, we're not quite there yet, but someday. <laughs> but you're getting there. Um, Pip My Front Porch. Yes, that could be yes. the next name of like the new MTV show, Pip My Porch. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. But like so true. I love that we're having this conversation. Pinterest is not to be underestimated. I, on my end, oh. I'm seeing so few campaigns include any mention of Pinterest. There's no Pinterest at all anymore. And of all the platforms, you know, I was talking a little bit about Facebook, like, of course, but like 
Pinterest, that drives so much traffic. I know that if you speak to influencers so in particular, um, they, a lot of them, a lot of them would say, you know, I have a great Pinterest game because it drives incredible traffic to my blog. And then of course that's a rabbit hole because then that leads them to, you know, the variety of different platforms, following links, like multiple articles, if you like what you're reading on, in one. So there's so much power in Pinterest. So I love that this is coming up. So, you know, in, in you, in the past when you've worked on, you know, a variety of different influencer campaigns, what percentage would you say are implementing Pinterest? I would agree with you. I think it's too low. Um, I think that a lot of people, a lot of what I sort of saw at the tail end of my previous role is that because a lot of measurement in, um, on Instagram and Facebook is, you know, engagement based, then it's really easy to see those metrics. And it's really easy for somebody to go and look at a post and say, okay, these are what, this is what this metric is. And then when you get to Pinterest, I think all of the success happens when you sort of like lift the curtain a little bit, right? So yes, engagement and, you know, repins, that's great. But the amount of traffic driving that it does and has always done is so underestimated. And so I think that in, if I were to assume things, I would assume that we're going to see sort of like this re-swing back towards Pinterest because it does a lot of traffic driving. We see a lot of brands that want really incredible measurement on their programs as they should get. And so I think when we're getting into the e-com space, when we're getting into the awareness space, that Pinterest can be such a valuable tool. Plus, if we're to be totally honest, a lot of their new ad units were um, really a little bit cooler ad units that have come out recently. They're super fun. And as a consumer, like, I like those experiences. Um, so I'm hoping that we see sort of like this, this re- love for Pinterest. I I think I, like I would love that. I would love that so much. But you know, whether it's Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter or you know, the variety of different um lesser utilized platforms when it comes to influencer marketing, my goal in this conversation is just like I think it's so important that people just keep an open mind um, and keep asking yeah. people outside of the industry or just ask people, you know, in your personal time, what are you really using? Because um, again, I, there's so much opportunity in influencer marketing. It's like, it's such an exciting field to be in. And I think that part of that is simply because it is changing all the time. And, you know, there are so many avenues to go down and, you know, I, I think that the beauty of it is that you can, if you keep an open mind, um, you can have, there's success to be had on a Pinterest and a Instagram and a YouTube and, and all of them to combined. So, you know, just to keep an open mind um, and not just do things just for the sake of doing them because everybody else is, you know? Yeah. And like, as you say, consumers... For people that don't work outside of the industry too, like I don't want to just call them consumers all the time, but um, people consume and, and digest media in different ways, right? Like your habits and my habits and, you know, my friend's habits are totally different. And so it's really important to, to remember to cocktail your, your um, platforms when, we're, when you're doing a campaign. So not sticking on just one platform I think is really important because people that might really need or want to see your message 
if they're not spending a lot of time on, Inst on Instagram, then you could be missing an entire audience that is spending a lot of time on Pinterest or is spending a lot of time on, on YouTube. So I, I think that you bring up a really good point in sort of making like this mix of content across multiple platforms and optimize for all those platforms, right? So I think, I think a huge point that drew me to Tastemade is that they create content that is optimized for every screen, right? So it's not just like a 30 second cut is going to go here and a 30 second cut is going to go here. It's actually like intentionally looking at, okay, here is like our hero piece of content. And then here's how we're going to take it across all the different platforms. And that is what I think is, is really brilliant in what we do. And I think that that is what needs to be done more and more in the industry instead of like, here's just a quick, one post campaign on one platform and, you know, we're just going to consider it successful because we've hit our engagement. Um, I think that there's so much more success that happens after the, the campaign is over. And that's always so important to think about, right? Like the halo effect, uh, at least for somebody like me, especially on Pinterest, as I'm looking at recipes, right? Like that recipe could have been posted three years ago. In fact, my favorite banana bread recipe was posted like, many, many years ago, and it's like the recipe I go back to over and over again on Pinterest, and the halo effect of that, and, you know, that's the recipe that I pass out to all of my friends, or I give to anybody that's like, do you have a great quick banana bread recipe? That's like what I use, and so there is a halo effect of content when it's across different platforms. Yeah, 100%. I, I love that term, the halo effect. I mean, you know, for for influencers that I'll advise, I'll always tell them, you know, just you want to optimize one piece of content as much as humanly possible. Um, you know, if you're creating something incredible, it, it's not as valuable if if it's not getting a ton of eyes on it, right? If it's just sitting in one place and getting the smallest percentage of views, um, how much more? How, how much more can you expand upon that? So, you know, the halo effect. I love that so much, and I love that you're talking about that. Taste made has that um, has that idea um, in the content that they produce. So, talk to me a little bit about that. What What are some learnings um, that they've had in regards to you know how to get um, certain content distributed amongst, you know, a variety of different platforms. What are some of the differences? Um, how do you guys go about doing that? Yeah. So I think, you know, as most things in this industry, it, it varies with every single campaign and every single piece of content put out there, right? Like certain things will do really well on Instagram. And then we know that that might not do as well on Pinterest. So we have teams in place for each platform, which is really exciting to see. And their, their job is to know exactly what is working on that platform, right? So we recently discovered or, you know, like some of our best practices are um, a video on Pinterest does better when it's like under a minute, a minute or under. So really taking that in and applying that to and applying those best practices and learnings like as we go into how content is concepted, how content is developed for that hero piece, and then how distribution is developed, right? So it's an intentional decision across all platforms. And we're using all of these amazing brains that are, their specialty is that platform. So, you know, it allows us to dig a little deeper and take a look at the performance data behind it, right? So we can take a look at if, if a certain topic is trending um, and how do we enhance that and make sure that it performs really well that aligns with, with each of those platforms. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and that's incredible too. And I think that just, you know, ha- again, like having the wherewithal to evaluate all of that um, and to experiment a little bit and listen, I, I would say that some of the best, um, the the best progress, the most amount of progress that people make in this industry um, and the most successful campaigns is just because people are listening. Um, You know, you can come up with a fantastic idea um, and then you got to implement it, but then listen to how people are responding to it. Um, And I think that's so, so, so important, especially in this industry, because like we were saying, you know, a few minutes ago, it is changing constantly because it's dealing with like it's dealing with people there there this isn't a science it's much more of an art than a science um right. and so even on this podcast like let's be honest like we can talk about you know I did this and it worked perfectly and it might not work as perfectly if somebody else tries to do the same thing. Um, so, you know, look, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's so important to continue these types of conversations to talk about what works for you. So people can, you know, take that information, sort of like spin it around in, in their specific case study, um, try it out, um, put their own spin on it and then listen to how it it works and to listen to how uh, what the response is to it. Um, and so, you know, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, with with influencer marketing, um, you know, again, we were talking earlier, like the sky's really the limit. It's such an exciting industry that, um, you know, people are, are excited to get into. Um, people see so much opportunity in it. Um, what are some things that you personally would like to see um, it, occur in influencer marketing? What would you like to see influencers do better? What would you like to see brands do better? Sure. So we'll start with brands. Um, I want to see them a couple things. One is not rely so much on reach, right? We know that beautiful content can be created from talent that doesn't have the biggest reach. And, you know, it sort of like levels the playing field a little bit, but also like reach, reach can be purchased in sort of like distribution methods these days, right? So taking a look at influencers that, that are outside of maybe your perfect scope. And I think that is sometimes where the, the magic sort of happens, right? So when, when brands activate influencers that aren't the most obvious, that, that aren't always, um, you know, like the celebrity tier, that's sort of like where that, that partnership really starts to form. And that's ultimately, as like a consumer myself and somebody in the space, like those, those larger in-depth partnerships, I think are amazing, right? They, having been a part of some of them and having, you know, having watched them as, you know, like who I am as a consumer, I really like to learn the little things about brands that, that are unexpected that as consumers, they might not know. And so I think that I'm not singular in that, right? And sort of like knowing that um, a brand might approach something. Um, I worked with like a large retailer for, for a while and you know, just learning about their family values and how that instills every decision they make at a large corporate level and seeing it in their corporate office, you know, like that ethos is real and that's what they spread across all of their locations, every person that works there. And sometimes I think we can just say, oh yeah, that's just like a piece of your messaging. But then when you sort of like get ingrained and have 
a relationship with the brand, that's when that additional um, magic starts to happen, right? I, I think that's... There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. That's another piece of like influencer magic is the more that we can, um, we can bring people together and have communication and collaboration be tighter, meaning that um, the brand and the agency and the talent and everybody sort of works together on the same page. And sometimes it's just as simple as hopping on a call and saying, hi, I'm, you know, like and introducing yourself and talking about who you are and what you're looking for in this campaign, I think really adds that human level, you know, and as you mentioned before, influencer marketing is really this, this blend of art and science and more art that is really just human nature you know, on a phone, right? Like we have access to, to really humanize everything. And so the best way to do that is bringing people closer together. So that's what I'd ultimately like to see from both like a brand and influencer side. Um, I would, I think it would be really interesting if influencers like got to do almost like an internship at a creative agency or have some sort of like seek inside um, to, to have like a different perspective, right? Because I think that they're so brilliant in what they do and then being able to have this ability to sort of like sit on like a, a, a more branded side for, you know, a few weeks and understand like what those conversations look like. It, it would just be very interesting to see what a pivot might look like and how they operate in a, in a campaign. Um, I don't know. I, I just think there's so much potential and it's really fun to be a part of this, this industry. It's really fun to be a part of these conversations. Um, it's, it, it is continually growing. It's continually changing. And that's, I think the most exciting part about it. I think that if everybody could be a fly on the wall at some point in their career to be able to just like voyeuristically see what the other side, you know, the real conversations that are happening on the other side, I think it would be like groundbreaking. Like that would be yeah, agreed. hugely impactful. But you and I have been on, you know, very on unique from unique vantage points, right? Like we've been the go-between the between the brand and the talent. Like we have a really unique perspective um, in in that way um, where not everybody gets to, to be in the middle and have that unique perspective. So, you know, for people listening um, who don't have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall, let's say they're a brand, um, what would you tell them that they should know about the talent, about the influencers? Let's start there get to know the talent outside of what their numbers are, 
right? Like at the end of the day, yes, numbers are important. Yes, guarantees are important, but you have a human on the other side of this campaign. And so really understanding that, that compromise and just having a conversation and getting to know each other a little bit can make things go from, you know, very sort of like transactional to be like a, a really good partnership, right? I mean, think of it like dating. You wouldn't just like go on a date with somebody and be like very robotic. You're going to ask questions about each other and you're going to want to learn from that person. You know, why, why is that talent perfect for this campaign? Or that idea is really great. Why does that resonate with your audience and this brand? And so I, I think it's just we're in such a chaotic space, right? Like everybody's going 100 miles an hour. And I think taking like a little bit of a deep breath and pausing and saying, okay, what is the intention of this partnership and how do I get to know the other person on, on the other side of that so that we can come together and create this amazing relationship, this amazing campaign and content that, that does really well um, and does really well can, can really be it performs well, you know, numbers wise, but it also creates a conversation where people are asking more questions and learning more about what the brand wants, wants out there, right? So, so it's not necessarily just a regurgitation of branded messaging. It's a conversation because that's, to me, that's ultimately sort of like the goal of influencer marketing, right? Like opening up um, this two-way conversation and having humans talk to each other about their experience. And so the less and less that we talk to each other, um, the more transactional the space will get, and that, that will just strip away the, the beautiful success that can come out of this. Oh, I love that so much. Just to talk to each other. I mean, if a brand is listening, just talk to the influencers that you've hired. I get it. I, I think that so many people are trying to do this at scale. So, you know, the idea of what oh, I'm supposed to talk to every influencer and have like a heart to heart with them, like could be the most cynical way of looking at that. But, you know, really just right. everything is about prioritization and like and focus. And so just like recognizing that, yeah, there is an absolutely huge it's important to, you know, connect with these influencers on a human level and just prioritizing that, you know, will get you further than if you had not prioritized that. So just having conversations, like we're saying, it's so much more art than science. Of course, there's value in the numbers. And of course, there's value in, you know, looking at the percentage of, you know, men that follow or the percentage of women or their engagement percentage or, you know, the, the percentage, you know, of their demographic that lives in the United States. Like, of course, we need to look at all right. of these things. We do. It's important. Um, but then, yeah. but, you know, then, then you don't have a, a robot, you know, creating content for you. You have a real human being speaking to other real human beings. Um, and just for people not to forget that. I, I love what you're saying. And, and conversely, um, what would you tell influencers about, you know, a brand that they're working with? What should they know? Ultimately, there is a goal for wanting to do influencer marketing. And, you know, every brand has a variety of goals from awareness to conversion. And so understanding what the ultimate goal is, I think, is really important and how, how you can embrace that. So I do think a lot of 
influencer marketing campaigns are really based on compromise. Um, and we think about it, right? So you have a branded message and you have an influencer that has um, their audience, they know their audience better than anybody else, right? And so how do you get to the middle of that and have this sort of like branded message, but also not sort of sacrificing the authenticity of the influencer's voice? And how do you get to the middle of that and create sort of like this cohesive message? And I think I think that is, is sort of really important for, for influencers to remember too, is like these campaigns, they have to do something. And so whether it's brand awareness or whether it's, um, it's you know, conversion, you know, like I mentioned, it's having that conversation of, okay, on paper, this brief says that this campaign should do X, Y, and Z. And so understanding what that means to that brand. And so, again, I go back to, having a quick conversation that can be half an hour, you know, between a brand and an agency or whatever, and then talent, I think that that clarifies those, that devil in the details, right? And that's where everything sort of like kind of goes wrong, right? Where I thought you meant this, or I thought you meant this. And so I'm very much a proponent of like, get everybody on the phone, get people asking questions. You know, the influencer was hired for a reason. Um, and so let them have a voice at the table too. And so I think, I think it's really just, Influencers should always be really proud of their voice, but always understand that the, the content and creative, it has to do something at the end of the day. And so understanding why they've been brought in to do that thing at the end of the day is really important. I could not agree more. That's such good advice. Really, really, really good advice. Um, and then let's not forget, you know, the agencies out there. I want to give everybody advice this morning, Kate. <laughs> so, so for let's the, do it. <laughs> let's do it. So for the agent, look, you've just you have a re, you've had a really unique perspective, unique perspectives, plural, um, working in this industry for such a long time. Um, and so let's help people out. So you know, if you're talking to an agency who's working on behalf of a brand. Um, what should they know about working um, with a brand? You know, how to, I'm sure agencies, I, I've never worked, you know, on that side of, of it. But, you know, friends of mine who have, they're like, oh, like, sometimes it is a challenge. You know, you're essentially being hired to be, um, to help them, of course, and to guide them. Um, and some brands are open and receptive to that. And some brands hire an agency to give them advice, but then they think that they know best, <laughs> I'm sure, right? Like a brand. Um, and yeah. so what advice would you give um, someone who works for an agency um, about working with a brand? I would probably say, education, right? Like education is always key to move the needle, right? If people aren't comfortable with spending in influencer marketing, or they're not comfortable in activating influencers, finding out why, why is that something that they're against? Why is that something that they're, they're not wanting to do? And then just doing sort of like that, that slow roll of education, you know, you, you don't have to spend in this, in, in this industry right away, you know, it's going to be here and sort of showing here's what it can be, here's what it can do. And if somebody doesn't have the education, reach out to somebody that does and, and help help you learn sort of like this side of, of the industry. And there are so many people that, that want to impart their knowledge and so many people that, that really want to shout from the rooftops that this is a really valuable piece of the marketing puzzle. And so tapping into those people to be able to learn the value and learn how to have conversations about it and and then really being able to have those conversations with um, you know with their clients um, with their vendors all you know and knowing what questions to ask I think is important too and um, coming from my my 
you know, background, I have said, you know, when I have, uh, when I've lost out on a piece of business, I, you know, always bow out gracefully, but I'm like, you know, as you sort of explore other partners, make sure that you're asking these questions um, because, because I do care. Um, and so it's, it's really finding, um, finding a partner that can help you learn about it and learn why it's important, I think is really key to, to anybody that, that sits, you know, across this spectrum of activation. I, that is really good advice. That's really great advice, actually. And then the last piece of the equation that I can think of, at least, what would you tell managers or agents who work on behalf of influencers in order for them to, uh, to do better? What would you tell an agent or a manager? Oh, goodness. Um, just double check the work before you send it over <laughs> so that there's less back and forth. <laughs> I I, but, but Kate, I, I hear that all the time. We're, you know, look, our, our it's feet, so simple. It's so simple. Well, it sounds so simple, but I hear people say it all the time that people don't, that managers and agents or assistants at, at management companies, like they're, they're not doing it. Um, and uh, we look, so our, our Facebook group, the WIM Facebook group, um, is incredibly active. It's such a great resource. Yeah. Um, if it was people, recently in there. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly my point. And it was recently in there. And then it was in there probably the week before that and the week before that, <laughs> because it's a constant sore spot. Um, you know, we're trying to have, everybody's trying to have this run as seamlessly as possible. Everyone's got to work a little harder. Um, you know, look, I, I don't, I don't know if, if generationally things have changed. Like this is a much larger topic maybe for this podcast, but I'm going to go here for just a second. I don't know if it's a generational thing or what it is, but like we, what happened to people, you know, being detail oriented and, and working a little extra harder than, you know, their, their predecessors. And I don't know, I, I don't want to be up on a soapbox here or anything like that, but people got to remember that, um, you know, what happened to, to having pride in, in that fact that your work is so clean and your work is so good and taking a lot of pride in that. Um, and I think that this extends absolutely to what you were just saying, of course, I, you know, it's like, this is, this is your job. And look, I, if people listening don't know, I, I own a management company, so I'm also not like, we can curse on this podcast. I'm not shitting on anybody. <laughs> I'm speaking from no, experience. no, not at all. I am speaking from well, experience, so I can say it. I think that people who work at management companies, people who work at ad agencies, people who work for brands, everybody in the equation can can listen to that great advice that you're giving, which is, you know, I, I believe what you're saying is like take pride in what you're doing, take an extra minute to make sure that it's right, um, prioritize the fact that like delivering you know, review work that's been reviewed and checked and, you know, that you're, you're sure and confident in is going to be, uh, is going to be exactly what was requested. Like that's important guys and not to be under, underestimated. I mean, we're talking about, you know, larger picture things here, um, that people should keep in mind let's not forget, you know, the little details as well and how how much of a hiccup that can be in in the grand scheme of things when you've got, you know, 50 influencers um, that you're working with on a campaign. Who are you going to work with again? The one who delivered exactly. work that was sloppy or the one that delivered work that was, you know, that was precise and clean and, and accurate? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can go on and on and on, but I love that you're saying that. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, if we want to go really big here, I think it also ties into sort of like this hustle mentality, right? Like I think that the hustle mentality, um, everybody should be hustling harder and hustle from the second you wake up to the second that you go to bed. I think that can be dangerous, right? Because if you're going to be really good at what you do, you need to take a break and you need to, you, self-care is real and self-care isn't just like sheet masks and, um, and wine. It's, it's knowing your limits. And I think sometimes when people are like, the only definition of success is to hustle harder, it gets us into a little bit of, of trouble because you don't let brains rest. And when brains don't rest, they can sometimes skip over those little details. And so it's understanding that you don't always have to do everything. You And that goes into, like, influencers don't always have to take every single campaign and letting themselves have time to be the humans that they are, right? And, you know, same thing with agencies. Like, turnaround and review times don't have to just be 24 hours. You know, we can, we can provide them with a little bit more time. And, you know, all the way to, to brands and understanding that um, – that everybody is human, right? So, so really the whole red thread here is, is taking a look and saying hustling harder doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're grinding 24-7. It has to mean that you are focused, you are paying attention, and you're knowing your limits. And I think that sort of messaging is really convoluted in, in this sort of like generation, right? Like in the office space that I work in, you know, it's, uh, it's everybody knows it. It's, it's, uh, across, you know, every city and there's messages across the, the, you know, all the artwork is like hustle harder, be a boss, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm like, okay, but, but that definition without, without pro- providing sort of boundaries becomes sort of dangerous. And so I, I think to me, that's sort of like what feeds into this, like, I will do everything on my plate but I'm not going to be able to focus 100% on this. And so I think that's sort of like where we are, right? We're also in a generation of where we have to do more with less. And I think that feeds into it as well. I could not agree more. I think you're giving – I mean, I hope that everybody listening (laughs) is really tuned in right now and really paying attention because you are, like, giving such good advice. I mean, I agree. It's like let's be more human. Let's be more human. Let's recognize that, like, you know, influencers aren't robots. People working for an agency aren't aren't robots either. Like, we're all human. um, And we all – you know, we need to just pause. You know, we can't operate – as if we can work 24 hours a day, we can't operate as if, you know, we're not going to make a mistake and people do make mistakes. And that's why you have to have more focus. And that's why you have to slow down every so often because we're human beings. Um, And, you know, when we're working on an influencer campaign, you're not working with a billboard, you're working with a human um, who, you know, is, who, who is flesh and blood. Um, And, you know, the idea of sort of like connecting with them on a human level, is going to make every piece of work that you're doing so much better. Um, such good advice. Like, again, I, I don't know. I, I've said this before, and I, I just, it's one of my absolutely fundamental beliefs, um, which is that I, I really think that people need to, so, sometimes the, the, mo- the best answers, sometimes the best answers are the most simple. 
Um, sometimes yeah. we, we complicate things. And again, like be more human. It sounds really simple, but I actually think it's brilliant what you're saying because it's so true. There's so much truth in it. Um, slow down everybody so that you can put a little bit more focus in what you're doing. You could put more thought into what you're doing. You could be more intentional about what you're doing. Um, and everything is going to be better. It's simple, right? Yeah. And I mean, I had a boss that told me a 20 minute phone call is going to solve more things than 10 emails back and forth. So I mean that I have stuck by that and I really believe hop on the phone for 10 minutes. It's going to solve half of the issues that are arising through emails. And you know, it, it goes back to sort of like that human element. And so, so I just always encourage people to talk it out, get on the phone, touch base, Something that might come through an email might not be actually what it was intended to be. And, you know, if we can solve things quicker, that's ultimately what we need to be doing anyways. Um, And, yeah, just talk to people. Talk to each other. Talk to each other. Talk to each other. After all, it is like social media. You know, it's about talking and human interaction. Right. kind of the core of what we're doing. So, you know, let's not do it. Let's not have the influencers just do it. Like, let's have it be a, a, a full conversation amongst everybody involved. Um, I think that yes, it is a partnership for a reason. Yes, it is a partnership for a reason. Um, so we ask this question of everybody on the podcast. I'm really, really excited to hear your answer. Um, what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today? Oh, goodness. Um, wow. That's a tough one. Um, I would say have confidence in yourself. I mean, it's so simple, but um, having confidence and in the decisions that you make, in um, the mistakes that you make, and sort of like owning your path, right? Like it's okay to not be perfect. In fact, what nobody is. And so sort of like owning that journey is going to help you let go of a lot of bullshit um, so that you're not constantly at battle with yourself. And it's a work in progress. Like I'm still working on this. But I think sort of like planting that seed to my younger self that like it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be confident. You should be confident. Um, And the journey is intentional. I think that would have been – just like very eye-opening. Um, 100%. And, you know, look, I, I, I appreciate you saying that it's still a work in progress. Um, that's very honest. And, um, and I, I and it, it's probably a, a, a lifelong journey, isn't it? Right? Yeah. It's a, yes. it's absolutely yeah. a lifelong journey, but, um, it's important to have it be top of mind um, because I'm sure you've experienced in life that the more confidence you have, um, I don't know, I I don't want to fill in the blanks. What have you experienced in life? The more confidence you have, fill in the blank. Yeah, I think the more confidence you have and confidence doesn't necessarily mean ego, right? So confidence can also mean like you're very educated on a topic and you can speak very well towards it. So I don't want confidence and ego to seem like the same thing here. But I think that having confidence in in sort of like your brain and and what you bring to the table, then you, people are drawn to that, right? Like people want to to be in uh, in the, the environment of somebody that 
is more positive and confident about what they know, what they don't know, and not afraid to ask questions than, you know, in the presence of somebody that is constantly um, negative. And, you know, it's a constant work in progress. So it's some days it's just like, readjusting and, and sort of like pivoting three degrees and saying, all right, I know that, that this is sort of weighing on me and I need to, to sort of like rise above this and look at it from a different angle, right? Like what might a peer say about this or what might I have looked at this? Um, if I was facing this issue 10 years ago, I would probably be like, oh my God, I didn't even think I was gonna get to be able to face this issue. And then being able to say, okay, we can do this and we can work through this. And, and ultimately, I, I, think, I think confidence breeds success. And again, I don't want ego to be confused with confidence here because I think that becomes dangerous. Um, but, but yeah, I think sort of having conviction in oneself uh, helps sort of fuel uh, the relationships around you. I agree. And like it's uh, if I were listening to this podcast and I was somebody who, you know, was like, oh, like I'm really struggling with that. I would also add, you know, how do you – because like the million-dollar question is if I don't have that much confidence in myself or my work or I struggle with that, like how do I get there? Surround yourself with people who believe in you. Um, surround yourself with people who are, you know, who are advocates of yours, um, who are not so competitive, um, you know, and, and know that like by giving confidence to other people and supporting other people, that begets confidence and support for yourself. Yeah. So, you know, what you put out into the universe will certainly give it, you will get it back tenfold. Um, Cause I'm sure people are like, Oh, but like, how do I get that? I mean, that's one piece of advice that, that I would add to that as well. I have a feeling yeah. that so many people are going to want to uh, connect with you and reach out, um, learn more about, you know, your past in influencer marketing and taste made and everything. So what is the best way for everybody listening to get in touch with you? I would say the easiest is probably reach out on LinkedIn and then you can sort of like have an idea of what our conversations can be about. Um, but again, I'm willing to, to chat about anything. Um, so reach out. It's Kate Crook on LinkedIn. You can find me. It's pretty easy. Um, yeah, I think that would be the easiest way. Amazing. And we'll definitely leave that, all those links in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for being on today. It was thank such you. a pleasure. I, I learned so much from you. I have a feeling everybody listening has learned, you know, just as much. And we're really excited to hear from you. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for being such a great partner. Um, we've worked together in the past and you just have this uh, wonderful magic about you. So thank you so much for um, putting it out into the universe and sharing it with people and just being a lovely human. Oh my gosh, you're so nice. I thank you. And the feeling is so mutual. That's why I wanted, I was like, I, I told someone in my office, I was like, Kate's got to be on. Kate's got to be on. I'm excited to chat with her this morning. So, you know, look, again, good people surround themselves with good people. It's never a one person show. Um, it's so important to, to surround yourself with people who are also doing good work. So um, that's why we're attracted to each other. That's why we work well together, Yay. right? It's because you're doing great work too. Yeah. So again, everybody, seriously, well, please reach out to Kate. She's a wealth of information um, and she has so much more to say. Um, so definitely reach out. LinkedIn sounds like it's best and maybe we'll have you on again soon. Yay. Let's do it. <laughs>
I love it. Maybe I'll just have to come out to New York and we can sit together for the day. Ooh, I would love that. But again, no, no, no. I want to come to Chicago. <laughs> I want okay. to come to Chicago. We can do that too. Yeah. Okay. Next trip to Chicago. We're going to have another episode out there. It's going to be great. Um, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in.